The Art of Listening podcast. So when when I was when I was thinking earlier today about like this in person podcast, which is uh, the first because the ones I have recorded have been like on Zoom or online. Yeah, I was like, how do I want to introduce the the guest? Like, do I <laughs> let them introduce themselves? Do I record like an introduction after? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Have you ever used like uh, these dating apps? Nope. nope. I am very absent from the uh, social media world. I got Facebook, I got LinkedIn, and that's it. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Well, I was thinking about the dating apps because you gotta describe yourself, mm-hmm. right? But <coughs> I, I personally don't don't think that's like an honest description. Because people who describe their, themselves in the dating apps, like they are already like having it in mind, like you know, like my target is to 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 get a partner. <coughs> yeah. So I think they tend to like over exaggerate some of the things, similar to to people who lie on their resumes. You know. I mean, it's gonna yeah, it's like the intent is different, right? If you hear it's a true introduction, it's just hey, welcome the audience. This is the guy, the gal, the person you're kind of interviewing with versus like, hey, by the way, I'm selling myself in hope to get some customer that's going to swipe right. Exactly. It's like selling yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What you want, swipe right. (laughs) So based on that, like, how do you think would be a good approach to describe like someone like, like, like yourself, you know, like, like, would you use tags? Like, how would you describe it? What, What would be the best approach to communicate who you are to people i mean that's an interesting thing right i don't think there's ever wrong especially in the podcast scenario just to say hey you know almost like an interview tell me a little bit about about yourself depends on the day depends on the time people might be comfortable uncomfortable talking about different things about themselves right maybe they had a pretty tragic experience recently that there will be part of the introduction they want to blow out and so like a scripted Thing, right just because it's the time of the day or whatever or they are not a morning person or for some reason you're doing a podcast <laughs> at 9 a.m yeah. right they, they might be blurping out i think that's more natural and also like kind of probably will fit into kind of like the vibe you're trying to give during the conversation mm-hmm. <clears throat> later on yeah, yeah in the podcast right. Yeah, so based on that, <laughs> how, how would you introduce yourself? Like, to, to like, like, like a stranger, you know, yeah. like, what, what has been like the most awkward situation where you have to like introduce yourself? Um, probably thanks to some of my friends in college, they try to set me up with somebody, <laughs> right? You're like, hey, KB, go talk to that girl, bye. Like, okay, right? <laughs> she doesn't know me, I don't know her, like, um... Hey, my name is KB. <laughs> uh, what's your name? <laughs> right? It's kind of confident. Uh, the awkward is sometimes embracing the awkward. I feel like it's fun. Yeah. Right? Sometimes like almost purposely making an awkward. It's actually a fantastic icebreaker. <clears throat> right? That that general emotion like showing people, eh, I'm a little awkward about this. Yeah. But they feel the same way. That's actually working pretty well. So I don't know. I'm introduce myself wise i usually pretty open i am i like strangers i like making friends i like talking to strangers so usually as hey my name is kp you know what about you mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and that's already a conversation started okay. that's a really important thing you said like embracing being awkward yeah i think i think that's a great um takeaway from different scenarios in my life 
I had a, a very interesting group of friends in college mm -hmm. and we loved bullying like each other, yeah. especially with girls, you yeah. know. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the the wave, the Mexican wave in in in, in football or yeah. soccer, mm -hmm. where everybody everybody goes like ooh and like it, it's oh, like, yeah. like a wave around the stadium. Mm -hmm. So when we when we were younger and we used to see like one of our friends like talking to a girl, we would sit behind the girl like like far away, right? And mm -hmm. we would start like like making oh. the wave <laughs> and like cheering for our friend. <laughs> Nice. Just trying to make the moment like more more awkward. Yeah, yeah. And in some cases, like I, I was victim of that too. You know, like, mm -hmm. like I would be talking to a lady, and then my friends would start like bullying me. And in some cases, I couldn't handle it, and 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 mm -hmm. I just had to end the conversation. <clears throat> yeah. And it was like way later in my life when I started embracing like that awkwardness. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like a natural thing when you grow up, like you start feeling more comfortable with with it. Maybe. Oh yeah. I mean, you find I I find it funny. I find a funny thing about being awkward, I guess. Like somebody being awkward, I know inherently for me, it's something kind of can be cherished. Like, yeah. you know, it's a true emotion people are feeling. You can f hopefully it doesn't, as long as it doesn't turn straight into fear. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a difference, I feel like, between being awkward, slightly embarrassed to just straight up fear. If I introduce myself to somebody and their first reaction is like tense up, ready to run, it's like, uh. Okay, now that's actually awkward, <laughs> yeah, right? That, but that if we just like, um, I don't know what to say, I don't know how yeah. to introduce myself, I think that's, that's a pretty real emotion mm -hmm. people we experience, especially today, right? Like we, I feel like we live in the world, um, a lot of people more acclimated to texting <clears throat> versus having like an in-person conversation, Oh yeah, right? It's a lot more comfortable, even we just stand side by side, say, hey, what's your number real quick? Right, we exchange numbers like, uh, my name's KP. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then like you text like, hey, my name's Kate. Bing. It seems a lot more lively just on the text. But if we talk to each other like uh Yeah. Hi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's a weird phenomenon, but I think it's pretty like more frequent than we think these days. Like straight up coming to a person like, hey, my name is blah blah blah. What about you? Mm -hmm. It's a very frightened situation. It's like <gasps> I haven't swiped by yet. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that <coughs> has been more uh, remarkable during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like a lot of people became like very socially awkward, mm -hmm. uh, including myself. And, and you know, like texting is, I mean, I love writing, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it has like different impacts, right? Like, <coughs> I think writing, when you want to put a thought and, and clear your mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really helpful when you like sit down and grab like paper, uh, a pen, and you start writing. I think that really lets your emotions um, go through like your entire self mm -hmm. and, and do like a more accurate reading of what you're <laughs> feeling. But texting when you want to communicate, I don't, I don't think it's like the most effective way. Yeah, uh, It's like reading a book, right? Like you mm -hmm. can read like a, like a lot of words, but every single word that you're reading like is gro going through your past experiences, your cultural background. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I don't know if, if you've been um, in this situation, but a lot of people start fights over text messages. Oh, yeah. Just because <laughs> in their heads, the, the, the text or the voice mm -hmm. sounds like very different from what the actual message was. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like a very interesting thing. What I tell my friends is like, if you have something important to tell me, call me, don't oh, yeah. text me. 100%. <laughs>
hundred percent. I completely agree with that. I mean, it's kind of like to your book to text example, right? When you're reading a book, you have an internal dialogue. You're designing the emotion. You're designing the tonation. You're designing even the voice. You know, <clears throat> kind of property of a character. Bloody hell! Sometimes even you read a name that you don't recognize. You give them the pronunciation of their name.、Mm-hmm. I think the most prominent example almost everybody experienced is the Hermione in Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie that the first time I read that name, I was like, okay, Hermione. Right, I, that sounds weird, but whatever. You know, it's it's a character. And then I was, first saw the movie coming out. Hermione was like, "Oh bloody hell, what?" <laughs> right, that's a realization. Like, oh, okay, that's actually her name.、Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that that movie and that that translation actually made me laugh a lot when I was younger because,、mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't speak English a long time ago and、mm-hmm. um, like. In Mexico and a lot of countries in Latin America, we get the movies translated in Spanish, <laughs> like dubbed over. Yeah. Nice. <laughs>、mm-hmm. And in、uh, different countries, have like their own、uh, translation team, and、mm-hmm. it's an art. Like people study for that, and, and I really respect. I took a couple of classes about、uh, mm-hmm. translating movies and, and this kind of、uh, things. And it's complex. It's not that easy because you <coughs> need to adapt the context. To the local context. Oh yeah, and people from Spain they they love. I mean,、mm-hmm. Spanish and、uh, they 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 Spanish come from 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 Spain, and they translate English words how they literally would sound、mm-hmm. in in Spanish. So and when I was watching the Harry Potter movie in Spanish from Latin America, the name Hermione once translated like that Hermione. Yeah. But in Spain, because they translate the literal word, it was Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> and when I watched the movie the first time, I was like, "What? What? What, what is what they are saying?" Like, hey, <laughs> right? <laughs> But it's it's really interesting, like all the、um, the language stuff. Oh yeah. Look, so like, my understanding is correct. Like, you you were born in Vietnam. Uh, Taiwan actually. Taiwan. <clears throat> yeah, I was born and raised in Taiwan until almost sixteen. And then、uh, after I've taken the Taiwanese national、uh, exam、mm-hmm. after graduating middle school,、uh, my parents decided to send me to the U.S. to finish high school and then college.、Oh. <clears throat> and um, so yeah, I spent just a little bit under half of my life in Taiwan, but I was born and raised there up until sixteen. And how many languages do do you speak? Right now, I can speak Mandarin、uh, pretty comfortably still. Thank、mm-hmm. goodness. That's my mother tongue, <clears throat> and then I hope I can speak English as I'm demonstrating right now. <laughs> <laughs> so mainly two. I used to be able to speak like very elementary level German、uh, uh, back in the day. I, I pick it up just because、uh, I work in biotech, yeah, <clears throat> biopharmaceutical, and I know German has a pretty big、um, dominant, you know, company wide、yeah. uh, opportunity over there. So <clears throat> when I was kind of jumping between jobs after college, I just picked up German for about two years for. Kind of shits and giggles.、Yeah. So Mandarin is one of the most complex languages. It's harder not- to learn. Yeah, the structure of the language and the、uh, I think the phenotype nature of the tonal. It's a tonal language, right? So、mm-hmm. you have to have, a, in my opinion, a little bit more muscular <clears throat> training in your mouth, in your tongue,、right. in your throat, and everything to kind of control truly what you're saying. Like the most Prominent example people always say <clears throat> is ma 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 ma.、Mm-hmm. 
to entrain year, that sounds almost exactly the same. Yeah. But I literally just say mang, uh, paralyze, horse, and criticize <laughs> in four different things. Or give you another example, really uh, common phrases, xie xie means thank you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when my friend and I went to a Chinese restaurant, pretty traditional one, I ordered in Chinese. And then when the waitress was bringing the dishes to us, he kind of like nudged me and said, hey, how about I say thank you to the waitress? I was like, oh, xie xie. So and then he goes, oh, xie xie. <clears throat> Notice the tone was a little flatter yeah. than what I was saying. Mm-hmm. The waitress straight up replies, oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, though. And then so he got really confused. And then I ended up, I was laughing my ass off at the time because I know exactly what he, what he said. And then he was like, what the heck did I actually say? I was like, you, you told her to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you told her to take a break. <laughs> xie xie means take a break. <clears throat> xie xie means thank you. Yeah, so that, that nature of it, even just speaking, yeah. is difficult. Yeah, not let it on the writing part. That's definitely, I think if you're born from more like a Latin or Roman-rooted languages, it's a hard system to translate to. Yeah. yeah. But I felt the same when I was learning English. I felt mm-hmm. the same, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and I had to <clears throat> put letters together to form a word. And that was a very foreign concept for me, right? I'm more used to a character as a character, and mm-hmm. how you say it, blah, 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 means different things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's all learning progress kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was very into languages when I when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I met people from from China, from uh India, from Poland. And uh, that's when it really hit me like how complex a language can be. Mm-hmm. Uh like when I was talking to my friends from from Poland, like they have different words to describe uh like even like different numbers of of items. Mm-hmm. Um like in Spanish, we just have like singular and mm-hmm. plural, like for one and multiple. That's it. Yeah. But it seems that in Polish, like they they have more, mm-hmm. and also depending on the the context, if it's like male has like a male or a female connotation, mm-hmm. the words also change. Yep. And uh, yeah, like I had a, I had a coworker from China, and and uh, we used to spend uh, on our free time like a little bit of training for me in Chinese, <coughs> and uh, it was only like pronouncing her name, mm-hmm. which was Xue. And I think like that is um, like snowball or something. I I don't know exactly. Mm. Oh, maybe my pronunciation changed that. <laughs> like, to, like <laughs> sorry, but I couldn't put a finger on what you, which name that would be. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's hard. I recognize it's hard. It's something you know. If I ever try to learn French, try to learn Spanish, you know, the the, the pronunciation in the beginning takes time. And kind of looping back all the way to what we we're talking about from the beginning, right? This in person talking. Mm-hmm. Thing versus taxing, those are 100% the art oh, yeah. and like sensation you will lose over text <clears throat> compared to talking to a person. Right? Talking to you, you can hear all the accents, all the incorrect pronunciation. Yeah. I'm saying that I'm trying to read the same word, right? Mm-hmm. But I might not, might not even be able to convey the conversation with you because my pronunciation is just so out of whack. But taxing, <laughs> I got Google right by my side. I oh, can yeah. make sure I can text you exactly what I meant, sort of. Right, <laughs> sort of. It'd be like super formal Spanish, I guess. Yeah, yeah. For for me, the sounds and the per- I mean, it's very different to hear something and oh, then yeah. try to reproduce the same <clears throat> sound. Mm-hmm. And I think last time we were talking, we were saying that I believe that to be a good singer, you need to have like a trained ear mm-hmm. and be able to reproduce the sound that you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can like give the, the proper tone and, 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 and all, all this stuff. Yeah. And I think something happens with, with languages. One of my friends, he, he studies um, 
like English literature. And, uh, and we were having a, a conversation and we were like, maybe people who are able to, to speak m multiple languages, maybe they, they have a developed ear to actually be good singers or, or good mm. musicians. Because I think you need like a good ear to, to reproduce those sounds. <coughs> My ear is not at that level, but what I find interesting is that I have a, <laughs> I have a, a, a rough time remembering faces. Mm -hmm. But how I recognize people is through their voices. Yeah. And um, going back to the awkward moments, I have had so many awkward moments where I think someone is like someone I know on the street, and it turns out that it's a total stranger. <laughs> or the opposite uh, way, <clears throat> that the person is like waving at me and like asking me a lot of questions and mm -hmm. I have no idea who that person is until yeah. like I, I put in my head like, okay, th I, I, I recognize this voice. Mm, interesting. <clears throat> yeah, yeah interesting. I, I had a co-worker, she, I think she was a, a psychologist. Uh, I don't know what exactly she was doing working in the financial sector mm. as, a, as a psychologist, but... Uh, we met there, and she was telling me that not recognizing faces is like an actual condition, and I <laughs> forgot the name. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I found that interesting. I, I didn't know like that was a condition, but yeah. Sounds to me are more... If I had the choice to like get rid of one sense or multiple senses, like yeah. like hearing would be the last one, because like mm. my world like turns around the sounds. <laughs> Smelling, spelling, and tasting for me. I love food way too much. <laughs> I can be blind, I can be deaf. I do not <laughs> want to lose the sense of smell and, and taste. Yeah, because you cook, right? <laughs> I cook a lot, yeah. I, I Cooking is kind of probably my biggest hobby, I would say, out of all the craziness that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but cooking is by far the most passionate you know, hobby I've ever pursued it by a huge mile <clears throat> compared to everything I've ever done. Well, yeah. before we dig into like the cooking style, you 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 mentioned like multiple hobbies. Like, yeah, what kind of hobbies? Um, so you know, kind of why I'm in your house today, kind of how I met you, yeah. right? It's because uh, dancing Zook. Mm -hmm. Before Zook <coughs> awakening, my interest in dancing was ballroom dancing, and then before ballroom, kind of this principle of practicing <coughs> and mastering how you move your body, awareness, and all that jazz was martial art. Did that. <clears throat> for almost 17 years uh, before I joined Ballroom for another 11 years. Oh, wow. Right? And then Zook now is coming up <clears throat> a little bit over a year, year and two months by now. Mm -hmm. But cooking, my grandma <clears throat> in Taiwan, uh, when we were kind of living together, she was a phenomenal cook. Right? She was a really, really phenomenal cook. <clears throat> um, I've always had the luxury of eating the food that she cooked for me every dinner. So I had a pretty big repertoire of <clears throat> things that I have tasted at a very high quality mm -hmm. and very, you know, fine craftsmanship <clears throat> with her skills and experiences. But because of that, you know, I've always uh, loved to cook. But granted, no, she's way too great, so I'm not going to invade her kitchen <laughs> during that. Um, once I moved to the U.S., that's probably one of the first thing I found myself missing um, mm -hmm. a lot yeah. was her cooking. And that, that <clears throat> you know, sensation every dinner was served at a, such a masterful level. So kind of that, that it's probably where I started cooking mm -hmm. as much as possible to myself. A little bit more salt, a little bit less salt. Try this pepper versus that, yeah. <clears throat> uh, that spices. Can I really get acclimated to what everything tastes like and how they melt together 
And then to me, that's a really, really fun project. Every time you turn on the stove, right? Every time, <clears throat> every time you chop something and throw them into the pot or whatever. Um, so that's interesting for me. It's a sense of discovery. And then usually, knock on wood, usually the end result is delicious, right? <clears throat> and then that, that learning experience to, oh, this plus that equals something way greater than mm-hmm. you ever think, right? So that's why I think cooking, I love eating to begin with. <clears throat> cooking <laughs> helps me to really refine the eating experience, hence the passion behind it. I love cooking for people. I love cooking things I never touched before. <clears throat> it might not come out well, but you know, usually it's edible. <laughs> <laughs> usually it's edible. I don't like to waste food. So. At least people won't get like food poison. But that, <laughs> luckily, I have not created. <laughs> I have never caused anybody to have food poison yet. So knock on wood. <laughs> I, I don't think I have caused that. I think I've been close to, but <laughs> I don't think I have caused mm-hmm. like any damage on people. <clears throat> yeah. But you actually, you, you are experimenting on, 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 on the kitchen. So you are like, like trying different things. Oh, yeah. Do you memorize like the recipes or do you have like a notebook? I will be honest. I follow the recipe to the T the very first time I try something, mm-hmm. right? That is... <clears throat> kind of respecting somebody's expertise that they yeah. spend time and energy, I hope, testing it themselves and then put it into words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do follow the recipe first. And then I have my own sense of, you know, taste, my preferences or whatever. After I made it first, I, from the experience, have a generally decent understand on what each ingredient contributes in a dish. So that's where the modification can start mm-hmm. a little bit. After that, a lot of the less complex <clears throat> recipe, I would say, I kind of just, I don't really bother looking it up anymore. I just kind of remember. Yeah. Oh, in my family, we used to have a like a recipe book, mm-hmm. and uh, it was for my grandmother. And then uh, my mom would try, and then like she would like overwrite like some stuff, like mm-hmm. changing a little bit here and there. Um, <coughs> but I, uh, I don't really follow the the instructions. The only thing I I, I do like doing is um. Uh, baking mm. uh, because my grandmother she used to bake and this is more in line with the, the next question because I mean at one point I was debating if it was the taste of the bread that was uh, making that very special mm-hmm. or if it was the uh, the environment around my grandmother baking the mm. you know like she used to bake in two <coughs> main seasons uh, one was the day of the death in, in Mexico yeah. Uh, we have a particular type of bread. And the other time is uh, the Three Kings celebration, which is in January 6th, mm-hmm. which was exactly her birthday. Okay. And uh, those were the two times where, where we would, like, gather and uh, she would bake. Mm-hmm. And nobody was allowed to cause mess in the, in the house because <laughs> her belief was that if someone get, gets angry, mm-hmm. the bread won't, you know, like, inflate. Mm. Uh, and that that was like the worst thing that could ever happen. Like a bad when she spirit was will get infused into the bread, kind of a thing. <laughs> exactly. It's funny. My my grandma had pretty much the same thought. Uh, she's very famous on Chinese New Year, um, the first night of Chinese New Year, <clears throat> uh, New Year Eve, pretty much. Um, she will make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dumplings. Um, and pretty much, to the best of my understanding, nobody is supposed to be in the kitchen when she does that. <laughs> Every single one of them has to come up perfect to start a good year. That's oh, kind of wow. the yeah. That's kind of the philosophy because she will be fitting the whole family. 
pretty much for that night. We would just be gathering around the lazy Susan and eat dumplings all night. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Was your family like really big? Or, uh? um, when I was still living in Taiwan, uh, so I have an aunt uh, from my mother's side <coughs> that lives with her family in Taiwan and obviously my family and my grandma. So relatively speaking, it's smaller mm -hmm. uh, than most people think, at least in a traditional sense. But I mean, it was, it still keep the house very like, <coughs> you know, loud. <laughs> yeah, definitely keep the house busy and keep the chopsticks and bowls cleaning. So. And was your grandmother uh, cooking for just for the family or, or did she own like a restaurant or, or mm, something? No, she doesn't own the restaurant, but she cooks for a lot of her friends uh, for okay. lunch. They will gather together. She will cook. They will play mahjong, <coughs> hang out, chat, uh, maybe go out shopping together and that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a very sociable activity, I think, to her as well. Like she, she always had the biggest smile on her face whenever there's a big group of people sitting down on yeah. her table eating and sharing stories, laughing and whatever. Yeah. Sometimes she would cuss me out too. She's like, ah, dang it, KP, you know, rice is expensive. Why are you on your third boat already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think cooking in some, for some people is, is like a social thing. Um, I have a friend who loves cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more the fact that the, I mean, that, that's always the case, you know, like food brings people together. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And she loved like, uh, the fact that, that her cooking was making people feel good uh, mm -hmm. because they would sit around and then share stories and all this kind of social, social activity, which again, I think got kind of interrupted because of the, the situation we had in 2020, um, mm -hmm. And people stopped gathering around, but I think that social interaction is is very important. I mean, it doesn't really matter like what is the uh, the excuse if mm -hmm. we, if we want to look uh, at it in that way. <coughs> if it's cooking, if it's like maybe playing cards, yeah. if it's like um, anything, you know, like mm -hmm. I think that social interaction is 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 super important. Oh yeah, we were watching this documentary on Netflix called uh, I think the Blue Zones. Uh, mm. Have you heard of it? No, I don't. I don't have Netflix. <laughs> That's good because like yeah. there's so much content that sometimes it's so hard to to choose what you want to watch. It's funny because my sister used to work on Netflix, and I don't oh, even, really. Yeah, I don't even own it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not too much of a sit down and watch a TV show for the rest of the night. Yeah. And I try to keep myself busy out of the house. Yeah. So the the place I'm renting right now, literally, I am probably fine with it just being a bed mm. and a closet. Yeah. yeah, most of the time out of the house. So, yeah, I just st started watching more uh, like shows in the last maybe two years, but it was the same. Like I, mm -hmm. I was like basically busy all the time, either working or doing some projects or hanging out with with friends. Um, I started finding some interesting shows more because uh, I, I I love like this um, topics about uh, artificial intelligence mm -hmm. or um, philosophy physics mm -hmm. and i found like some shows to be very interesting nice uh, and, uh, and i think that's that that's the main reason uh but in, in this particular documentary they they are talking about some areas around the world with the um, the longevity rate mm -hmm. being like really high and they start analyzing <coughs> why and uh, they they trace some patterns and one of those factors is actually social interactions oh yeah people who remain active not only physically but also like um you know like socially mm -hmm. 
and they add like a lot of greens in their food and, and they eat, eat healthy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's crazy. Like there was a guy in, I think it was South America, uh, like 90 years old, mm -hmm. riding a horse. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm, I'm already having problems with my knees and my hips. Oh, like, <laughs> well, you also heard, you know, people like <laughs> celebrating their 100th birthday by running the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Or something like that. It's a very well beloved grandma with a huge family and all that jazz. So I think yeah, they're definitely taxing a lot. Like I'm a pretty outgoing person in general. I would like to think at least. And COVID definitely has a very passive drain on me, <clears throat> day in and day out. Like I, I will find the excuse just to text some friends, at least get some social yeah. interaction back and forth. Um, but like in person was difficult, right? So that was, <clears throat> yeah, different. And then I did feel very rejuvenated once for a while. If you can get like a Zoom call mm -hmm. going so I can see people's faces, I can hear the actual voice <clears throat> rather than just a line of text. It's a very different thing. And then, man, I was bejoyed when they finally announced COVID is kind of sort of not, not a thing anymore, especially yeah. if you're vaccinated and all that jazz, that I could meet up in person with, mm -hmm. with friends, right? I felt... COVID changed me in a way. Like I am way more outgoing now oh, than who okay. I used to be, which yeah. technically already was a pretty outgoing mm -hmm. <clears throat> lifestyle. But like, right now it's like freaking on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just want to hang out with friends. I, I would, you know, go out of my way to find events. I'll post on the community chat. Like, hey guys, this Lantern Festival is happening. Hey guys, there is a freaking fire and flame, you know, yeah. show and in downtown Cary. It's just in hope some people will be there and I'm always very happy um to see them. I mean yeah you and you and Shannon actually went to the yeah. Fire and Flame uh, festival, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, like I'm not really forcing anybody to go with me, but if they do, I'm usually very happy to see yeah. you know familiar faces <coughs> uh, in the event. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can be like a really strong community builder. Like, you know, like bringing people together for mm -hmm. doing like different activities. I just want to do stuff. You know, a lot of time people kind of forget <clears throat> how to just to relax and play. Yeah. Yeah. In, in today's world, there's a lot of things going on for everybody. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people did forget kind of how to occasionally relax and play. So, mm -hmm. yeah, have, happy to kind of just at least throw you know, information out there. I mean, it might catch somebody's glimpse and say, hey, that actually looks interesting and I am free. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be with me or anything. Just as long as they enjoyed it, I think that helps. <clears throat> yeah, especially, like, uh, to me, especially coming out of COVID. It's like, I have a debt to pay almost. <laughs> <laughs> a social debt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a weird, very weird time. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, a lot of us that are still recovering from, uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, from all the, I don't want to say damage because I think it's, it's just like a process, you know, but mm -hmm. I think it changed us uh, in more, I mean, at least in my case, in more on, on a negative way. <coughs> uh, I think the negative impact was heavier than the positive impact that I observed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think society in general is still recovering. And I think that's one of the reasons of why I, I started this uh this project as well uh, because I've been learning a lot about topics that I was never very interested on uh, mm -hmm. like my passion was more like mathematics and, mm -hmm. 
and banking and like <coughs> like like all this like numbers <laughs> yeah. a lot of numbers <laughs> but then I, i started like getting more into the social interaction the mind and mm-hmm. now now i'm obsessed with learning about the mind and um like reality like the the what what a lot of people call like the theory of everything like yep. what is this space what is this thing uh but i think you know i mean at least in in my particular case for me to to go and explore those ideas i think i need to be at peace with myself first mm-hmm. and i think what you're saying is very important like how do people relax and uh, finding that time to like get rid of the stress is very important yeah because you know a lot of illnesses uh Well, a lot of uh, I've talked to to a few people uh, in the medical field who believe that a lot of the root causes for several illnesses come actually from from stressful um, triggers. <clears throat> yeah, and it's hard to detect sometimes too. Like I pretty much had to be knocked on my head from a couple of close friends to say, "Hey, by the way, you were just never there for anything. You were always working. You were always." Yeah pulling the extra shifts like you seemed really happy at work which i was but i never realized i was like yeah i abandoned and lost a lot of things to exchange for that kind of self so to speak happiness mm-hmm. and then covid slowed everything down enough for me i think for me to kind of realize as like, oh you know what i was more satisfied with what i have achieved from hard working hard <clears throat> but not necessarily relaxed and happy with what I have achieved. Yeah. It's it's a very different realization. So once that came to light, that that anxiousness of kind of trying to repair everything builds, mm-hmm. and then COVID was kind of like a floodgate that just blocks it, right? So that that's where for me it was a really frustrating time uh, back then. Mm-hmm. But when they say COVID. <clears throat> more or less is gone when the floodgate opened i think that's who i am today you know like i said i just want to hang out with almost everybody meeting yeah. new people it's very exciting yeah and then hopefully mending some of the lost friendship <clears throat> you know over the years um i feel like they were a lot more there than i realized even today yeah 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 it was like a game changer thing it was like an eye-opening event uh one one other thing uh recently happened to me um the company that i i used to work for like they went bank well they didn't go bankrupt they were about to uh they got acquired by a different company mm-hmm. and i think it was last week I, i was talking to a person i respect a lot in the in the company and he was telling me you know like you've spent like 15 years of your life working here and to be honest like if you're like very um you know, like pragmatic about this thing. Uh, you don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. Like you sign a contract, you work, you do your best, they pay you and that's it. Like like mm-hmm. they, you don't have any ties to them. But the important thing here is like you realize that after 15 years of giving like all you are, like all your knowledge, learning, sharing, <coughs> what you did is worth nothing. It's worth like, in his words, like it's worth shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that, 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 that's true i mean it's sad but it's true mm-hmm. and that made me think like that, i mean yeah like like there is something more than just work which is 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 great for people who look at work uh as a final goal yeah um but yeah like there is there is uh there is way more than than just that aspect in your life and i think 
learning how to balance all that stuff may be tricky, mm-hmm. may be complex, but I think it's worth exploring it. Oh, yeah. And then work is just also a very special thing, I guess, in life. Like, we, obviously, we need a, you know, monetary, you know, basis. Like, everybody needs money to live. At least to sustain, like, a basic, you know, needs in life. But I don't know. To me, I've stayed with my work so far for almost nine years now. Uh, at least from what I heard in the biotech uh, industry, especially manufacturing, it's a pretty rare occurrences these days. I've definitely had multiple friends keep on <clears throat> encouraging me. So, hey, you know, you can interview elsewhere. You can get a lot more money than what you're being paid right now in your company. It was like, well, yes, but, you know, I really give credit to, you know, the supervisor and the manager that builds my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout all these years like we really cultivated a team of people that i absolutely fell in love working with right it's more <clears throat> like taking care of each other like going to work knowing i'm gonna do a good job so other person's life gets easier and they also enjoy what they work work you know when we <clears throat> pack it up get into our car and drive home we feel pretty purpose like yeah we did something awesome mm-hmm. <clears throat> together that that feeling sustained me for all the way until now, I feel very lucky to work under such team, yeah. right? That, that to me, I think that was my addiction mm-hmm. of putting so much of my life and energy and effort into work, <clears throat> just trying to make that picture perfect. Mm-hmm. But like I said, on the flip side, I just kind of ignored everything outside of the work uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I would say quite a bit. And so now I'm truly, in, in the past year, I've been kind of, experiencing more about this true work-life balance mm-hmm. i've always joked to myself like yeah work-life balance is kind of perspective right if i'm okay have no life and all work but happy <laughs> that is still balanced to me absolutely right which to a certain extent like i said i was never stressed out yeah about my my work mm-hmm. um but now realize what that picture truly is yeah. <clears throat> you know it was like hmm yeah i, I need to learn to dial down mm-hmm. something i feel very ach- you know, purpose is something I feel it's a great achievement of mine, but I need to start maintaining also yeah. more true, truly the life, the social, the people, the friends and mm-hmm. friendship and all that jazz. And while that is, is important to find that balance, I've been talking to a, a really good friend of mine. Uh, I've been recording a few episodes with, with him um, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh our story is very interesting because we met when we were, I think, 14 years mm-hmm. old. And uh, we were best friends for that period of time. And uh, then, you know, like we started working, we stopped talking to each other, and now we reconnected. Mm-hmm. And he uh, is uh, he he's almost a neurobiologist. Oh, nice. So he knows a lot about uh, the brain, and, and mm-hmm. uh, he, he knows a lot. And... Uh, we were talking about how neurobiology aligns with all these ancient techniques of meditation and wellness. And, and we are trying to also communicate to people that a lot of the stuff that is out there talking about energies and the law mm-hmm. of attraction, people really need to be careful and understand what's behind. So they don't, they don't fall in, uh, in false speeches or, or false promises. I think it's very important to connect both. I think... Oh, yeah ancient techniques have a lot of wisdom and it's worth it absolutely worth it explore all all, all that um but i think it's very important to connect that with the 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 science behind Mm -hmm. 
unfortunately or fortunately, like one of the strongest things we have nowadays to to you know like keep evolving and keep learning is the scientific method, mm-hmm. and it can be applied <coughs> in different ways. And I, I think it's important. That's also one of the reasons of why this is the art of listening. Mm-hmm. It's important for scientists to be open to listen to to you know like people practicing mm-hmm. all these ancient techniques and like likewise on the other side you yeah. know and, and find a point in common and um, what we were ta- what we were talking is like yeah it's it's really important to find that balance in life and I think where people get caught a lot of times is that they get frustrated mm-hmm. with with not finding that balance while I think the key for releasing the stress and finding that happiness is actually being content what you have. Mm-hmm. You need to keep exploring, absolutely, go for it. But don't make that the end goal, because to be honest, and that this may sound a little bit, <laughs> I don't know how people may um, interpret this, but a lot of people won't reach that balance ever, mm-hmm. right? And if we are not going to reach that balance, what we can actually control is being at peace with what we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then one philosophy, I guess, philosophical saying I always really enjoy using, and it's pretty, say, true with how I kind of treat my life and everything I do. It's like, it's important for you to know where the summit of your destination is. If Say you're going for a climb, a hike. It's important for you to define very clear where your destination is. But a lot of the time, if you truly go on the hike, you know, people enjoy the journey to the summit mm-hmm. than simply the summit, yeah. right? So like along the way, you stop, smell the flower. I mean, smell the flowers is weird, but whatever. You look at the flower, take mm-hmm. picture, Instagram, whatever. <clears throat> Somebody tripped, you know, you're helping them up. And, you know, you drink water, you eat snack, laugh, you know, all that jazz. Like the journey to the summit, a lot of the times to me, is a lot more enjoyable mm-hmm. than just the five, 10 minutes I might spend up in the summit taking a panoramic terribly. <laughs> picture terribly so yeah i, I kind of i definitely agree yeah finding like defining where the goal is is important but it's the effort that everybody put together working towards it i think that's really what connects yeah. people together and within that you i agree that the <clears throat> listening skill is important to to continue that journey like in it together unison mm-hmm. yeah instead of somebody raise a head and somebody got left behind yeah yeah so, like, I want to change a little bit the, the subject uh, in line with the, the, the listening stuff, because before we started recording, you mentioned about, like, along the hobby part, um, that you feel that this new dance that you're exploring, Zook, mm-hmm. is uh, it's more in line with, like, like listening, right, to, to your partner instead of, I mean, compared to, like, the other type of mm-hmm. dances that you, you have um, practiced. Yeah, it's a yeah. So Brazilian zouk is a pretty new, you know, hobby. Relatively speaking, to me, I've really only started dancing it or being introduced to it uh, by Shannon actually uh, last October eighth, two thousand twenty-two. So just a little bit over a year of the exposure to me, right? But every lesson, every instructor, every <coughs> uh, partner that I dance with, the emphasis is always making that connection. The connection to your partner, connection to music, connection to the room, to the floor. It's a very sensual and it's a very kind of like meditative, I guess, also um, way of looking at dance. Mm-hmm. I came from a background of 11 years on, in competitive ballroom dancing. 
right? So at the time, it melds very well <clears throat> with what I desire because I actually joined ballroom from a uh, injury that I suffered when I was <clears throat> uh, doing a little bit like martial art and fighting. Like, mm-hmm. I got injured bad enough, I had to stop. And then the, after the recovery, I was no longer in shape to kind of step back into martial art to the level I wanted to. One of my friends convinced me to pivot, pun intended, into dancing. <laughs> into so dancing, and that stuck. W- what kind of injury was that? Uh, I split my uh, the ball of my foot in half. Oh, <laughs> I kicked somebody in the elbow, and then uh, th- pretty forcefully, and the uh, elbow one. <laughs> and the elbow one. Yeah, so it, it was like a six, seven months recovery uh, journey until I could barely run, I guess. So through that, crazy. yeah, through that, I was gaining weight. Obviously, not working out and all that, everything. So, yeah, ballroom came into my life kind of like a hundred eighty mm-hmm. um, thing. But again, the principle for competitive ballroom is the same. I am doing the same thing over and over and over yeah. to perfect the form, to perfect the weight transfer, to perfect the footwork, um, to build connection with my dedicated dance partner. It's the same person that I mold myself to, and they mold <clears throat> themselves to me. So we can glide on the floor and dance on the floor together, mm-hmm. right? So at the time, I enjoyed ballroom a lot, but I've never done any sorts of social dancing. Never really danced salsa. Never really danced bachata. Where you're constantly, you know, switching out the music, switching out the partners. Mm-hmm. So when I first encountered Zoo again after <clears throat> that explosion of eagerness to reconnect with people after COVID, uh, it was a little bit sensory overload for me. Kind of the two and two. Oh yeah. What Zoo is offering mm-hmm. and what I was really desiring at the time. So it melded together. I struggled a little bit to really get over that hump in my head where my technique need to be better so mm-hmm. the followers will feel better. <clears throat> I'm dancing off time, even though there are lyrical and the percussion interpretation of the music that everybody can kind of feel. There's really not a wrong way to dance Zook, which is a completely foreign concept to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Everything has a perfect form you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Not quite in Zook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so through that, again, learning to relax in the dance was actually the first thing. My, the, one of the instructors that helped me along, uh, Anna, she was a traveling instructor that stayed in the North Carolina scene for a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she was like, hey, I need to deborrow and you. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> that's a joke, but it's kind of true, right? Like, yeah. I've always uh, hoped you gotta keep the frame up and everything. This had to be this angle. You know, I had to keep the head, you know, whatever yeah. kind of a thing. And it's like, that's the right form. And versus Zook, yeah, relax. This song is slow. <laughs> let me just like hug you and then kind of like, be a little gooey. Oh, this song is really upbeat. Let me pick you up and then kind of mm-hmm. add some energy and bounce to it uh, to play. Right yeah. to play, it's a lot more free, mm-hmm. and in that sense, I feel it's now very much more important to have a conversation non-verbally uh, with the dance partner because yeah. we might be dancing three to five songs together, and then I have to learn a new conversation with another body mm-hmm. after we walk on the floor. <clears throat> um, whereas I think the philosophical uh, approach for ballroom competitive ballroom at the time was, hey, you're my partner. We're going to talk a little bit amongst each other. And when we step on the floor, we are making an announcement to the audience. We are putting on the show, right? We were there to entertain the whole audience as well. So the projection of the voice, so to speak, (coughs) through dance was Mm -hmm. very different, I felt. Yeah, in ballroom, I am speaking to the audience to say, hey, look, 
this is what I've been working on. This is what I'm performing with my partner together. Enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Versus Zook is more like this. You mm-hmm. and I just sitting down, relax, having a good conversation. <clears throat> you know, in my last three songs, in my last five songs, or some crazy, crazy Zooker saying they dance with Sam Pounder for three hours straight, which ugh, crazy, right? <laughs> but I kind of experienced that. I have a actually hour, 30-minute dance with mm-hmm. the Sam Pounder once. This just this year, they kind of just randomly came up. Mm-hmm. So I felt that, right? That, that's it. Was when I woke off the floor, I was like, bloody hell, that was an hour, 30 minutes. I did not feel that, that it was very comfortable. Just time flew by, yeah, yeah, time passes. So, Zook is interesting. I am very glad uh, I picked it up. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's probably Rocket Ship, <laughs> my definitely passion project. I'm mm-hmm. devoting a lot of time and effort into learning better. It's not a very uh, recognized type of dance, right? It's not like 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 very famous. I mean, it's not that mainstream. I think that's what I mean. Because I think, yeah, correct. The Zook thing is slow, relatively speaking, on the smaller side. Yeah. In terms of popularities and awareness, like a lot of time when you say, "Hey, have you ever danced salsa?" Mm-hmm. People will say no, but at least they're aware what salsa looks like, sounds like, feels like, um, you know, whatever. But when you say Zook, you know, have you danced Zook before? Most of the time you get, what is Zook? Never yeah. heard it, right? So hopefully we'll get there. I think Zook has really good potential, <clears throat> you know, to be something people love for. And I can see that for people who dance Zook, a lot of them truly have a passion towards it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, I, I think that's pretty healthy for the community. Yeah. I've seen people, uh, I would say, as everything, you know, like... It's a very special and particular type of, of dance. And I can see that um, different approach in like how the, the Zook is more like an intimate uh, conversation compared to a dance where you have to master the technique mm-hmm. and, you know, like make it more like a choreography type mm-hmm. of dance. Right. And uh, I was just thinking when, when you were telling me that uh, one time someone asked me, we were debating uh, the, the definition of perfection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, I, I don't think perfection is, is making the thing or making something that doesn't have any, any errors or, fa- or failures. I think perfection is more like a human um, type of concept. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it get, gets confused with accuracy. Uh, I think like like ta- some type of dances like uh, what you were mentioning in ballroom, it's more about accuracy, like being very, very, very accurate. And my point was that, okay, when you look at a painting, right, do you think it's perfect? Like if you think about the, 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 uh, the, the greatest uh, painters, mm-hmm. um, if you go to Italy and you, you watch a statue or, or you go to a church and you see all the architecture, is that perfect? And the answer of this person was yes. And I was like, but that is not 100% accurate. It's not like, there are like little mistakes, but I think that is exactly what makes it perfect. And what makes us perfect as humans is that we are not 100% accurate and oh, yeah. we are not going to do the same over and over. And I think that's one of the big, and, and, and I don't mean this with uh, this respect, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like there are different focuses. Uh, but I think in, in that sense, I think um, Zook wants to explore more of that human nature mm-hmm. which comes with like yeah we all make errors but that's fine that, that that's perfect perfectly natural and you cherish it yeah mm-hmm. and you kind of cherish it you learn to laugh it off you learn to enjoy 
yeah. the little mistake here and there. And I think that's what makes, you know, somebody unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody unique. And then obviously, like, I never danced into such a high level of ballroom. Like, I, d- I did not <laughs> achieve, you know, such a level. So I never really even close reached perfection in any aspect of ballroom to my, you know, under- best of understanding. But, you know, I kind of wonder in the top, top, top level, you know, you still have dancers that continue to improve, right? So yeah. per- I think perfection is such a relative yeah. uh, concept. Like mm-hmm. the drive to chase perfection is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Achieving perfection, I think, will be very boring very soon. Yeah. Because definition of perfection for me is there's nothing to improve. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to improve, so it, I don't know. <clears throat> like that, that spark at you with, "Ooh, I did this better than yesterday." Yeah, that was that felt better than last week. You know that those are the things I really, really love finding. Like even dancing zoo, it's like, oh shoot, I actually relaxed through the whole song rather than you know bring my ballroom frame up <laughs> and then lift the <laughs> lift the follower up a little bit until they like tap on the shoulder. It's like, hey, can you like? Relax a little bit. Oops, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it just came out. I mean, it's 11 years of experience versus just one year. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, but sometimes it's fun. It's like, oh, yeah, your frame is really stiff. I love it. I'm like, mm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did not expect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This concept of what you're describing of uh, uh, perfection, uh, kind of, it's in line with what we were talking about, like the, the summit and the journey. Yeah. Like, like, what do you do once you reach the goal? You find the next goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you find the next goal. There should, there should be always the next goal you're looking after. Yeah. Right? But if, if you find the next goal was a prior goal, the real goal, I don't know. No, I think the... Or different goal, goals? I think the goal you achieve prior become part of the journey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So that, that should be a never-ending <laughs> thing. Like I know, I know one of my coworkers. Uh, she and her husband just did, I think, what fifty or whatever the actual number is, all national park in the U.S. Oh. before they turn thirty. Mm-hmm. Now their goal is to travel. I think I don't know forty or fifty. I think it's forty different countries before they turn forty. So, oh wow! Yeah, so they're they're like setting up goal mm-hmm. for a lot of things. Every country they go to, every peak they climb. That was. Yeah. They go become a part of the journey. And I guarantee, I don't want to speak for them, but you know, I guarantee <clears throat> when they're talking about all these experiences together, they will be talking about the little things that happen on the way. Yeah. Perhaps way more than the scenery they sing on the top of the mountain or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. It would be interesting to have their perspective. Like if the goal, if they enjoy the moment of, let me rephrase it. Let's say that, <laughs> like, they are older, right? And then they think back. So what was the most beautiful moment? Like, actually traveling or, like, marking the last <coughs> trip to complete the, the 30 or 40 countries? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like, they're going to be, like, you know, like, we got more from the actual execution of the traveling. Oh, yeah. And being there than just, like, marking. Mm-hmm. But, 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 yeah, like, having the goal is, 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 is important. And I, I think that helps people develop something that I believe is critical for, for improvement, which is discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think discipline has a negative conte- context most of the times. But I don't think discipline is, is bad. I mean, <coughs> it depends on how you 
you focus your energy. It, it takes some. I would say it is definitely a concept that takes some practices and activation energy. Yeah, to get into right, like that discipline was the reason why I really fell in love with martial art. It is full mm-hmm. of discipline and how to condition yourself for yourself, right? How you know throw a punch, not perfect. Keep throwing it, yeah. but change one fiber of your muscle every time that you improve. Eventually, you will achieve that that near perfect mm-hmm. punch, and then punch some more until you <laughs> you really get to use it. Yeah. Now punch it different ways and da da da. So now really learn to be in tune with your body. That that find that journey of like doing the same thing over and over and over, but improve ever so slightly each repetition. And eventually, you look behind you for everything that you have built. Yeah, your first punch versus your ten thousands punch should look and feel completely different. And yeah. now that's something yours, you know, forever in in your in your body. If I was to explore um, martial arts, what would be like something to go for? I've heard jujitsu <laughs> is. Uh... I don't know, man. <laughs> I actually don't know. I kind of what what you want. A martial art. There are gyms these days, very much push people into you know in the ring with the gloves and helmets and all that jazz. So they fight because yeah. you can get medals, you can get awards. There are gyms very much pushing people to do belt tests, so you, you know they can give you a new belt for I don't know forty bucks and <coughs> whatever <laughs> to get money. So I I think the finding a good coach, yeah, finding a good coach, a good gym that truly are just there. To help people, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever goal they set, right? It's gym is a facility to give you the camping gear, to give you the hiking boot, the, yeah. the things that you need. Maybe, maybe uh, give you, you know, lend you a shepherd mm-hmm. on the way so you don't get lost on your journey. <laughs> but they should be there to help you achieve the goal rather than set the goal for you and push you. Yeah, <clears throat> and then just straight up push you up yeah. there their way. So I think. For martial art, from my personal experience, finding a good gym will be probably more important yeah. than finding a form okay. that that you enjoy. That's that that would be kind of my advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be boxing <clears throat> and from boxing, you will know maybe some other people is practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. to the side. You'll be exposed just little by little by the nature of a lot of form art shares the gym together. So that's something you can explore after you have a good community that's there to support you, whatever you do. That's my thinking, at least from my experience. Yeah. I think a a lot of people don't realize the importance of uh, physical activity. And uh, I think martial arts in particular connect your brain and (laughs) and body. Yeah. In a similar way, like, you know, like practicing yoga and all these kind of things. And, uh, you know, like a lot of like, philosophy actually developed in the gyms mm-hmm. people like doing physical activities and actually connecting like like being really mindful of the movements and uh, uh, like starting from there like they they notice like a connection between the body and the mind and then like different uh, philosophies start being developed after that connection yeah and it's critical thing for n- nowadays to to keep that balance that we were talking about mm-hmm. i think uh like having a physical act someone told me once there are like uh some important pillars in, in your life you need like a, a physical activity something that keeps your 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 body active 
an intellectual activity, something that keeps your brain active in mm -hmm. an abstract way, in a critical thinking, and also uh, some sort of artistic activity, something that gets you in touch with, with yourself. Mm -hmm. And having those three working well, like it's going to help you a lot in trying to define goals and achieve like anything you want, like happiness or whatever yeah. you need. I agree. I think those three things together builds what we call a you, right? You, uh, Gabriel, because you have those three things, however developed or underdeveloped you feel like they are. But when, when we hang out together, you express those three things. As I get to know it, that's you, right? That's what makes you unique. That's what make myself unique to each other and to different people because like everybody has different standards and everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Those three are good pillars. For sure, to get to have in your life, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the takeaway for for today, because I know you have a class. Yeah, man, <laughs> a Zook class Zook dancing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything gotta be surrounded by Zook. <laughs> so we talk about like different topics, and uh, I really love like you know like we didn't have a script, we didn't have mm -hmm. like a lot of idea where it will take us, but I think it <clears> went exactly where it, it had to go. And yeah. I really feel that we kept in like talking about like uh, the, the conversation was consistent and going back mm -hmm. uh, to to the same channel. Uh, <clears throat> do you have any final remarks to add after this this conversation? How did you feel? No, I mean I feel like this is just a same old afternoon over a cup of tea conversation I could have <laughs> with uh, anybody. Right? This is a very surprisingly relaxing. Uh, scenario like walking in here i saw the gear set up saw the camera <laughs> set up you know there were thoughts about yeah. this can be something i'm not super used to but yeah no i think just keep your mind open for sure when when people are talking um a lot of times i know in my brand i used to immediately think about a response right you say something i'm already kind of like backlogging the response i should be saying yeah. uh, per se but kind of learn to let that go and just be in the moment and then really listen to the whole thing. Think about it. Take your time. Think about it. Relax. And then I feel like you can return more of a genuine answer that carry the conversation deeper and further with the person. I, I think that kind of conversations um, has a lot more meaning or more effective, I guess, building this community mm -hmm. relationship with the other person, <clears throat> even a stranger, right? Yeah. It kind of open, open that. It makes a deeper impact to each other's time. Yeah. Absolutely. And this, that's something that can be applied in any aspect in life. Mm -hmm. Work, friendships, relationships. Yeah. I think anything, family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the you know, leadership classes I take at work always talk about build your authentic self. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. that was probably the root of an authentic self, like being able to just talk. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Being able to just talk. And down. listen. And listen. <laughs> yep. Cool, man. That was good. Thank you so much, KP. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Cheers. The Art of Listening Podcast.